You, of course, you've played the Doctor. Big, big anniversary coming up. Would you like to be involved? Would I like to be involved? If I told you that, I'd have to shoot you. Dirty Hooers. Cross-Atlantic nitpicking about Doctor Who. From four grown adults who should probably know better. From four grown adults who should probably be working. We're not afraid to say it like it is. All the word bollocks. www.dirtywhoers.com Follow us on Twitter at Dirty Hooers. If you like that kind of thing. We're also on Facebook. Deal with it. Geronimo! Fantastic. L on C. Cock. With your hosts. Number one assistant, Terry Lightfoot. Oolong, Sputters, Sputnik. Resident Pixie, Fuchsia Begonia. Lord President, Sen. So I've got a bottle of Tom Wood's Bouncing Bomb, brewed in Lincolnshire by one of the fans of our page, Scott, an average of 6% brewed by a dirty hoer. We've had a bit of a weirdness of late, folks, that we've suddenly got shitloads of followers on our Facebook page, and we've no idea why. Uh, <laughs> very nice, very flattering, but you bunch of fucking weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> They're nice weirdos, though. They are, they're lovely weirdos. So, welcome, uh, pull up a chair, have a drink, play nice. Yeah. We are doing a review of episodes for each of the Doctors, because it's the 50th anniversary, and it seems like a good idea at the time. And we're now on to Christopher <laughs> Eccleston, and for some godforsaken unknown reason, it was suggested that we review Father's Day. So we're looking at, would you believe, 2005, like oh, nearly, God. what is it, eight years? I didn't even know Sen and Terry back then. Whoa. Right. Dude. Whoa. Yeah. There was a time. Wow. And yet it seems like it was yesterday. The long game was on one side of it with the lovely jag effects of the thing in the bubble what was it and on the other yeah and on the other side of it was empty child so we're looking at russell t davis obviously written by paul cornell yeah hello this is paul cornell and you're listening to the dirty whoers podcast billy piper as rose tyler who's kind of like syphilis she sort of grows on you oh Come on. Oh. Actually, um, quite the reverse. I think I liked her more in that Christopher Eccleston era. Yeah. 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 When she gets on with Tennant, somehow yeah. they it did was. not have a good chemistry. I don't know why, well, if it's because of the nature of the chemistry in that. Yeah, I, I think that that romantic chemistry doesn't quite suit the doctor, or at least it didn't suit David Tennant's doctor. Yeah, but i got to say, I bought into Christopher Eccleston from the word Ooh. go, from, from yeah. Rhodes yeah. onwards. Yeah. yeah, fucking right. Fucking wow. Completely different, but he's fucking great. Yeah. Okay, let's get some ratings out of the way. So we're rating just this episode. Let me just quickly go over the Dirty Hours rating system. We rate our episodes based on how much we would pay for a 70s prostitute or gigolo. Right at the bottom of the table is the free BJ. So it costs you nothing, but basically, you know, you wouldn't. Right up to the other end, which is the $50 presidential hood of choice. $5, $10, $20, and then, as I say, the $50. So let's start with... Fuchsia. Oh, now this one's tricky, because I love this episode. 20 with an incredibly generous tip. Son. 20. I'll stick with 20. 
Flat 28 is. Later. You know, I Terrence. really haven't even thought about this. <laughs> 20. Uh, let's see, for tip. Um, oh, some nice shoes. I'm going to go for 20 as well, but we will have our liaison at her place and I will steal something out of the hammock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm back scuttling a little bit. Uh-huh. Actually, this bouncing bomb's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, written by Paul Cornell who wrote quite a few of the new adventures in the wilderness years. Thoroughly smashing chap who knows his cricket. It's a very interesting episode. I like it a lot. It's not perfect, but just the bit where Eccleston opens the TARDIS doors and it is just a box oh, is mm. fabulous. It is a really... It's chilling, it is. It's quite chilling. It's shocking. It is. With hindsight now, of course, is the fact that every time there's a paradox, it has less and less of an effect. You know, in this early day, cocking up the time timeline basically brought about the destruction of that world. It was closed off and, and it would be destroyed if you didn't put it right. Whereas well, now it's just like, yeah, paradox schmaradox, you will have three of those before breakfast kind of thing. Well, that mm. may still be happening off screen. Wow. I don't think so. I think they've just forgotten about it, unfortunately. But there it might be a lot of things off screen, yeah. It's an interesting <laughs> episode because it's the doctor trying to prove how clever he is to Rose. Because, I mean, dear God, he should have known better. Mm. <laughs> don't take it there in the first place. Certainly don't take it there again, you Burke. It's a very interesting character piece. It's good for Rose's dad because it proves that he isn't an idiot. He is actually mm. a smart bloke. Yeah. Well, he becomes a real person. Mm. <laughs> in that story instead of a, a mythical dad that she thinks about it's a good solid story it's well acted it's well written the special effects are pretty good it's nice to see the Doctor really not knowing quite how to get out of it but still trying to protect all the humans involved because that's kind of his job or he sees that mm. as his job it's a nice episode I like it <laughs> it's always harder when we do the nice episodes because okay. there's okay. less that you can say about them in a lot of ways although interesting yeah, factoids the guy playing the dad of the bloke getting married is actually the one who does the dancing for Christopher Eccleston in The Doctor Dances <laughs> so you know the bit at the end where they're dancing in the target yeah. that's actually the guy that gets eaten by the Greebly outside the church not oh. Chris Eccleston right okay I have a bit of a problem with the Greeblies I've got to be honest I would have liked this not to have monsters mm. I think I would have preferred it if it was just a sort of shifting field of time or something like that and from what I've heard there was some insistence and a big keenness to have monsters in that first season mm. so they kind of almost crowbarred monsters into it I feel somehow I get you know the whole reaper tale and all this kind of stuff but they could have just been guys in robes if you're going to mm. do that you know with a, with a scythe I don't know I didn't buy into the monsters and of course we've not seen them since dude no. Just, guys with the scythe like yeah, death, you know, like death walking is, around yeah <laughs> but how is that any worse than big fucking giant flying bats pterodactyls I think in yeah. the audios they did too CGI. in the audios they had a, a creature in some story that would do the same thing to be honest I, I utterly agree with what Fuchsia's just said it's a nice episode and there's a kind of weird thing with this episode I went back and watched it and I thought I've got to watch this and it's schmaltzy cock it's actually not schmaltzy <laughs> cock it's quite well it's delivered it's good story Storytelling is what it is. Mm. Yeah, and, and Rose is pretty mm. good in this. She's been established as being a good companion prior to this, and she fucks up. She's fallen mm-hmm. there, and the really gives her some fucking shit for fucking up. He really gives mankind some shit as well. You really see a little flash of how he's changed because of the mm-hmm. time war and his belief in mankind and his belief in people. You really get a slice of that, and that was beautiful. That, for me, of all things in this episode, stands out as, as a big punch for the development of the character. On the whole, yeah, it's not a bad episode. There's much better Eccleston episodes 
episodes. Much better. There's some are, you know, that, that are flawless and I'll watch over and over again, but there's much worse. Oh, dear God, yeah. yeah. Fucking Boomtown. Yeah. Oh, God, well, shut up. I know you just, you know, did a, a bit of a sigh when it comes to long game, but I don't mind long game that much. Mm, yeah. It's on Nice and Dalek. It's, it's all I right. tried watching it's it. It's okay. But, you know, Bad Wolf and Partner of the Ways, awesome. Yeah. Unquiet Dead, fantastic. Mm. Oh, and Annette Badland um, was one of the guests at Dimensions who played one of the Slovene, and I know we're all a bit grown up, for really, for farting aliens, but it was very interesting her talking about coming back to film. Boomtown is the one with Blythe Droog in the power station, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she gets followed around supermarkets by little boys uh, who won't oh. leave her alone because they want to talk to the Slovene, and the fact that the way she gets rid of them is that she just lifts up her fringe oh, and no. they just scatter screaming. She just has to put a hand up like that and they're off. <laughs> I'll tell, tell you what else I liked about Father's Day as well they don't overplay the 80s because yes. they could have gone for so many stereotypes because the 80s was shit it was shit for music and everything I'm sorry if you think it I was after about 1985 fucking padded shoulders and ridiculous hair and crap like that but they play it quite well they're quite subtle with it but subtle enough that if you live through the 80s you go oh, okay that's the 80s yeah that is yeah, yeah I can yeah, see that yeah it wasn't too cheesy that way I just like the episode because like you said it's a little schmaltzy but not too schmaltzy you mm. can deal with the amount of emotional manipulation that's going on there because they really do try to wrench the tears out of you. But it's well written and, and the characterization of the dad and, and Rose are really well done. And she she's a great little actress. I'm not crazy about the Rose character, but she's fucking awesome. And she plays it really well. And the fact that she's wearing way too much makeup, it's just perfect. She's a good companion for Eccleston's doctor. Ooh. They really worked well together. They had a really good chemistry. It's funny that every time we're surprised by a new companion and we think, oh, she's not going to be very good, like, Billy Piper was such a weird Ooh, choice, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Billy Piper's going to be the doctor's assistant. Fuck off, this is going to be shit. Mm-hmm. You know, Donna Noble, wow, didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Holy shit, probably the best in the yeah, new season. Yeah, Agreed. yeah. Agreed. Awesome. I mean, the new it's, it's funny that every time we think this is going to be yeah. crap, it's really good. Yeah. Definitely, it's true. And we're lucky that way. RTD and Stephen Moffat, you know, no matter what their negative points are, their positive points definitely outweighed those and we've been really lucky that we've had such good writers I must admit I'm a lot more sympathetic towards the RTD era now Mm. than I was when the RTD era was on television It's kind of, if you'll excuse the pun, stood the test of time quite mm. well. The thing is, when Eccleston was on the air, I loved it. And I thought RTD was a genius. Mm. I've always said mm. that I thought he kind of burned out creatively. Possibly. Mm. Yeah, because um, they had time. I don't, they had I don't, time I don't, to get that first series right. And then all of a sudden, it's just headlong rush to keep up the yeah, pace. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know me, I'm not a fan of Tennant. And after Eccleston, who was so good, I mean, he's probably my top four doctors mm. or whatever, Eccleston, which is weird considering he only had one season. Mm-hmm. But this season gave us Doctor Who back and if it wasn't for this it would have lasted a couple of seasons and then crash and burn yeah. but it was so fucking good and it gripped the psyche of England because Rose is such a working class character there was such great mm-hmm. investment by everybody who was Rose kind of yeah. you know it was a fantastic way to do it and the Doctor's a bit northern yeah. but also every now and again you just get this you know when he's talking to the Dalek in Dalek you just get this fucking hell he's been through so much and hopefully we're going to see this in the 50th we're recording this early November so by the time this comes out fucking hell it's probably next year (laughs) (laughs) happy new year I'm I'm sorry (laughs) happy happy new year buddy merry Christmas (laughs) yeah yeah wasn't wasn't winter harsh (laughs) 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 yeah uh, stop Christmas lovely (laughs) 
Ladies and gentlemen, Tom Ward's Bouncing Bomb, brewed in Lincolnshire, 6% by volume. It's working. I think. Um, Back on topic. <laughs> we really needed someone with the gravitas of Eccleston to bring yeah. it back. Yes. I saw Thor mm-hmm. today, the new one, Dark World, and to be honest, he's, he's really underused in it because he's behind so much makeup, but every time he opens his gob, it's like, aye, grand. <laughs> ah, let's, let's go and take Asgard. Brilliant. <laughs> if you haven't seen Thor, I know it's a bit of a departure, but you know, Sen and I love our comic oh, yeah. books and the other guys yeah. do too. But yeah, go see Thor. It's fucking romping. It's like the biggest game of Portal okay, ever. Dude, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. to Christopher Eccleston on Doctor Who. So, okay. I wanted to hate this, and I did not look forward to rewatching this because it's just, you know, cheesy, over the top emotional yeah. drivel. It's just, oh, let's write an episode where everyone grabs the Kleenex, right? And I loved it. And I, I'm trying to nitpick, you know, and, and I thought the monsters were stupid and the CGI wasn't very good, fine. But the character stuff was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant. It was so well done. And the thing is, yeah, it's a story about Rose, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Look at how incredibly vulnerable the Doctor was. The Doctor that we knew would have never let a stupid human talk him into doing a dumbass stunt like that. Yeah. This doctor yeah. is needy. Oh, she yeah. nails him on that in that one <sighs> scene where she goes, and I know is, how lovely you are. Yes. You'll come back running to me. Right. And so he mean. is so angry at her, but he's not angry at her. He's not. He's confused and alone. And mm-hmm. God, Eccleston plays it so well. And mm-hmm. Cornell. Yeah, you can, you can see why he, ha- he has companions because they're fallible and because they see the world in a different way. And you can't see it in this yeah. episode. But see, he's always had fallible companions, but he's a Time Lord. So he never lets them make a mistake like this. And all of a sudden now the doctor's alone and fallible and emotionally vulnerable and fuck what do we do now you know we've got to look out for each other which is a totally new dynamic that even the doctor didn't see coming i've always thought that the doctor knows the fallibilities in his companions he fucking knew what teller was up to from the word yes agreed and he crafted ace he turned ace into something that she wasn't because he knew she was capable of that and sarah jane needed to see everything because she had that inquisitive mind and he gripped onto that inquisitive mind and it's very much the same with billy she shouldn't have this life there should be more to this life you know she shouldn't be working in a shop and shit like that she should be seeing the universe he fucking knows where his companion's faults are and I, i remember thinking that in the first episode yeah fuck it he knew this was gonna happen surely i've had this retconned impression for a long time now and i think it was <laughs> eccleston and piper's interaction that kind of helped me form this in my head but when hartnell flipped the switch and dematerialized the tardis with ian and barbara in there i think it was rolling mm-hmm. through his head that he just hired a nanny for his granddaughter <laughs> It's like he looked at these two and went, they can help her grow up in a way that I can't. I'm leaving. They're coming. Even from from literally day one, he's been manipulating his companions. I like that story. That's a good story, Sen. I'll take it. But not here. Nobody retcons like that. I know. He works it out. He works it out. I could just listen to Sen for hours in Second Life and look at the shit we came up with. And and we can go, yeah, but it's based on canon. And it is. Yes, I worked this all out in in the most nerdy way possible. I haven't missed any details. There's no holes. I remember Bill turning around to me once and saying, take this bow and slay the child of Rassilon. And I thought, fuck me. We've been planning this for ages. Good man. Good man. You're all very sad. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, fuck it. What Doctor Who fandom's about? It's about being a little bit sad. I just got complimented and insulted really well. <laughs> no, it was a compliment. <laughs> I've had a few drinks in my best pal. You're, you're so wasted right now. I just knew Gideon was a mime there, mate. Fine, and if you're going to go there, then you're going to get a swirly back because you're the sad sack that hired me to build your birthday present in a virtual video game. So... <laughs> I had my 40th birthday virtual TARDIS, for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, are you sure? Have you had a gal? I'm sorry. I'm, 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 are you sure that's 56%? Okay, is, is everybody done? I'm not sure if Terry's yeah. done hers. I think I did it. It was pretty short. I basically agreed with everybody and said whatever. Okay, so listen, this is probably, probably going to come out sometime after the 50th, but this is probably our last chance to say something about 50 years of Doctor Who as well. And Can we yeah, make a, a, just a general statement about Eccleston, like a wrap-up? Go for it. Oh, God, me? <laughs> Can someone else do it for me? He was really good. Like we said, he's got that dark side, and he brought that in. Suddenly, the doctor was very dramatic, and I think a lot of it was very influenced by Sylvester McCoy's doctor, and by the Doctor Who movie. RTD took a lot of what was worth mm. keeping out of that movie and put it into the new series, including a very interesting console room that was completely different, and he explained that away. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying it was a marvelous console room, but he, it was shit. huge. Hey, whatever. It was huge and expansive and well done. Perfect cock. You know, nice to put there was a real shadow yeah. of McCoy's dog yeah. yes. in that and he was traumatized and he put in a, a, a dramatic <laughs> event that happened possibly during the Eighth Doctor's but the way he played it you could believe Ooh, it, it yeah. happened. Yeah. you could believe that this doctor was traumatized and was yeah. capable yes. of that happening his regeneration had become a product of him ending the life of his entire fucking species mm -hmm. and that's why he looked like a U-boat commander yeah. and shit like he that was... but he still had the humour he could still fight with a fucking plastic hand and fuck around with playing cards and he was still the doctor and if you recall Paul McGann wanted to do his doctor with short hair and a leather jacket mm. and they said what? you cut all your hair off? <laughs> What? No, yeah. we we want the stereotypical type Indeed. doctor with the long mm. hair and curls and stuff. And, and so he's like, okay, whatever, fuck. Mm. Well, I suppose know, even I, if we mm. don't get McGann in the 50th, we will have Matt Smith doing his homage to McGann's wig in the 50th. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Oh, my God, the 50th. I'm going to the theater. I got tickets for the CD. Do you know, I'm not that arsed. I wasn't until I got tickets. I think I'd rather sit at home where nobody's going to make a single fucking peep. <laughs> yeah, uh, live in England where there's Whovians like all around you, right? I don't know any Whovians where I live. I don't have any Whovian friends where I live, except, you know, over in San Francisco, which is like two hours away, and I'd have to, ugh, I'm lazy, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, for me to go to a theater where I'm surrounded by other Whovians watching something that we all love at the same time, I'll take it. That's a good That's thing. You Americans yeah, do no, weird things in the cinema. You talk to the screen. You're very strange. Oh, yeah. Oh. But do you it's know so it's pretty funny. cool, though, because they're, like, clapping shit. I've been in the cinema loads in the U.S., I, and it's, I, you kind of go there and just accept it. Weird, I went to see, was it, I think it was one of the Batmans or something, and everyone was like, yeah, fucking, yeah, brilliant. It was like audience participation. Yes, it's, it's like theatre in the round. It's especially that it's way if you go, especially that way if you go to a nice theatre <laughs> on opening night of whatever it is. If it's yeah. opening night, they've got this Twitter going on, and when I say Twitter, I'm not talking about Twitter online. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. they're tittering with excitement, oh. and you 
you get that talking to the screen. Everyone's having fun. In England, it's kind of like being in a church. No, seriously. It's like football's a religion. Cinema's a religion. It's very respectful. Catholicism's a religion. We have other stuff as well. I'm not sure what that is. But there's a lot of respect. We just sit there and we shut the fuck up. That's the problem. If I go and see the Doctor Who 50th in 3D, there's going to be some motherfucker sat behind me with a giant tube of Smarties who's going to eat it by <laughs> lifting the tube up and going, shh, 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 to eat their Smarties. And there's no motherfucking way in goddamn hell that I would suffer someone like that to live without dragging them over the seat. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's best you stay Pounding them to a pulp. Yeah, no, seriously, I would get really angry by that. And you, you know me, I'm a gentle soul. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Uh-huh. We're actually going to be at a comic convention away from home, so God knows whether we're actually even going to get to see it on the well, night. <laughs> no, that's what I play as for. Oh, you guys don't have that, do you? Oh, sorry. Anyway. So, but anyone got any quotes? Yes. Go on. The past is another country. 1987 is just the uh-huh. Isle of Wight. So it is a great one. Anyone else? The ape thing. I don't remember the exact wording, yeah. but just Eccleston's delivery was just ugh, seething. It was yeah. brilliant. I loved it. Yeah, I have the line here. It is, oh, I okay. did it again. I picked another stupid ape. I should yes. have known. Right. It's not about showing you the universe. It never is. It's about the universe doing something for you. There's a guy comes up to says, Mr. And he goes, Doctor. And he goes, you seem to know what's going on. And he goes, I give that impression. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. I have an ordinary man, the most important thing in creation the whole world's different just because he's alive i love that one that it's about ordinariness can be important and affect everything that whole deal where the bride and groom had a go at it in the alley or whatever <laughs> back seat of the car and the doctor just seemed like this would be the most amazing thing in the world for him if he could just have that normal boring life yeah. where he goes out shopping and knocks up some chick and argues for the next 80 years and then that's it life is over it's like he wants that mm-hmm. it was brilliant so cool. Okay, so it is the 50th anniversary, which, as we say, has probably passed <laughs> since we recorded uh-huh. this. But a lot of us have been alive close to 50 years, and Doctor Who's been a part of our life forever. And we're friends because of Doctor Who, because we either met on the outside. On the outside. Know, or, 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 on the outside. <laughs> on the outside. <laughs> 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 we've been second life, or we met I mean, in, in second life. In the real world. Let's face it, Fushi, we're friends because you and the prof love Doctor Who, and I have time for you because you're not idiots. <laughs> Yes. That's, that's fucking <laughs> rare in life, okay? And San and Terry, we met through SL, and we've become pretty fucking good mates, even though it's over Skype. Yeah. 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 And we post shit backwards and forwards, and we're always doing crap. And Sen's created things in Second Life that are a very big part of our friendship. And just as a point, go and check out Hands of Omega on Facebook to check out some of the stuff that we do do in Second Life, because it's been a long time coming. We've been doing it six, seven years, something like that. Eight years. We, we've done it's a lot of stuff. It's an amazing thing. Can I just ask you individually, just like sum it up in a paragraph, what your fandom and what Doctor Who kind of means to you. Let's just take a couple of beat pause. You, you want me to cry? Let's drink a wood-sitting bomb brewed in Lincolnshire, average 6%. <laughs> I okay. will just cry if I have to talk about that. Then you should go first. Oh, God. Okay, I'm not going to cry. Doctor Who is just a really positive character. It's a character who has a lot of compassion. And there aren't a lot of examples of that in popular culture where a character is not about getting revenge or striking back. He's trying to solve the problem in a cleverer way. He's trying to use his brains rather than brawn. Shit, you know, what Craig Ferguson said. What is it? Intellect and romance over brute force and cynicism. Intellect and romance over brute force and 
intellect and romance over brute force and cynicism. It doesn't say it any better. It's about that. And that's yeah. an ideal that I can follow. I like that. That can be my religion. You know James Norton? You know our good mate James? He actually has that on his business. Yeah, I love it. It's my byline on the internet. It, it just says yeah. it all. Fuchsia? Oh, I mean, I started watching it when I was very, very little. You still are very, very little, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> the cutest Aww. little pixie ever. So just last week. <laughs> Um, Go on. I suppose in a lot of ways, as a very small child, it showed me that there was a big, wide universe out there that was full of wonder. Hmm. Yeah. I think for you, from what I've seen from the outside as well, it was characters like Sarah. Oh, yes. Mm. Yeah. Girls can go out and Um, do fun stuff too. Damn skippy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, Doctor Who's always been about that, about the environment, about adventure. But like Sen, I grew up as an only child in a pretty fucking remote part of the world. Yeah, Doctor Who was my Saturday thing from as young as I can remember, and I think a lot of British people are like this. I remember I didn't really hide behind the sofa, but I hid behind my granddad's chair, and I remember watching Pertwee episodes and things like that, hiding under the rug in front of the fire because <laughs> giant maggots on the telly. Oh. I still feel elements of that now. Not so much when I'm watching an episode, but when I think back to an episode, it rekindles that kind of stuff for me. And another big thing about Doctor Who is the fandom. We're doing a podcast. I've met so many cool mm. people who also podcast. You know, Tim from Tim's Take yeah. On and James and oh, so many uh, super the, nice it, people. I, I'm not. I'm not even going to name people because there's so many fucking nice mm. people that do podcasts, and they're just as well, kind of obsessed. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, through going out to these conventions and interviewing people I have met some really lovely generous interesting fascinating people that I yeah. wouldn't have done otherwise look at the people that follow us on Facebook you know we've got thousands of them they're all, well most of them really nice people <laughs> yeah. I've met people through that you know like Chris Buchanan and all well, there's, You've too, met there's him too many to name so funny no he no makes no me laugh. but through like Facebook yeah, yeah, you know yeah yeah and there's lots of them that are now my personal friends because they're genuinely yeah. nice people that believe yeah. in intellect and romance over brute force and cynicism and that's fucking awesome I love it when I meet people that have never really got involved in Doctor Who I love showing them stuff because everybody gets enthused and goes wow look at the Patrick Troughton years or whatever (laughs) it's a nice thing to be a part of in a funny way for many years I kept it under a bushel and was kind of not ashamed but didn't show the world I was a Doctor Who fan and it's really Mm -hmm. nice especially coming up to the 50th anniversary that you can and oddly it's kind of cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. It's like the world has caught up with the classic Whovians, finally. That's a hell yeah. of a pair. Yeah, same with Marvel Comics. Suddenly there's loads of Marvel movies, and it's great <laughs> to know loads of shit about Marvel <laughs> Comics. People get interested about it. Yeah. Anyway, Sam. The Doctor's my hero. He's my role model. <laughs> and I can tell when I meet someone who's a lifelong Doctor Who fan, because the Doctor is imaginative, emotional, flawed he has a temper but he always does the right thing or i should say sometimes he does the wrong thing for the right reason he's a process guy not a product guy to quote a discussion he's not the brightest of his people but he is intelligent and, and he's an explorer he's imaginative and these are the qualities i've tried to create in myself as an adult and i fuck up as often if not more than i get it right which he does too <laughs> and i think 
That's why the four of us hang around. It seems like everyone who's been a fan of Doctor Who for 50 years kind of is like that. We're flawed, we do stupid shit, but we all have the ability to step back and look at it like he does and evaluate ourselves. Uh, he's just a great role model. I mean, how many television characters can you actually hold up for kids and say, if you live your life like this, you will do good in the world? He's an individual. He's eccentric. He risks. Yeah. Uh, name me 10 TV characters that a parent can park their kids in front of the TV, walk away, and realize that they'll learn about good in the world. I can only think of the Doctor and MacGyver. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and that was then by bucket Terry Nation. Holy shit. They, they I, learned how, I learned how to make shit from MacGyver. I learned how to right. drive from Knight Rider, and I learned how to be a good person. Rubber bands and paper clips. <laughs> and so you learned to drive from Knight Rider, I learned to drive from Auto Man. A little bit of dude passion. Daisy Dick. All right. Okay, I'd like us to pass one last time if we can. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, raise a glass with us, if you would, just for a second. Pause now and go away and get yourself a drink. I'd like to raise a glass to some very important people. To Verity Lambert and Sidney Newman Yay. and C. Weber and Donald Wilson and Delia Derbyshire and Ron Grainer and Sylvester McCoy and fucking everybody. Okay. There's, there's too many people of people involved in that. <laughs> Great Especially <Britain>. the people. <laughs> the Queen. The Queen. The Queen. Bizarre. <laughs> but to the people that created what is, without doubt, we believe, the greatest program and the greatest ever on television. Ever. To the Thank you very much. Thank you very much for following our podcast. You bunch of fuckers. <laughs> He has to spoil it. So, he's so <laughs> yeah, it can't be perfectly respectful. You can't spoil it. I'm not actually wearing trousers. Oh. Uh, now, when I listen to this podcast, I'm going to be thinking about that the whole time. Sputters is wearing no trousers. I'm pretty sure that the women are the only ones actually fully clothed then, aren't they? Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. I just was a little sick in my mouth. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, Dirty Hills Doctor Podcast. Thank you very much. Good night. And mind bleach doesn't come in big enough bottles. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. And God help you all. You've been listening to the Dirty Hills Doctor Who Podcast. Follow us on iTunes or at DirtyHoers.com. Find us on Twitter at Dirty Hoers. Oh yeah, we're also on Facebook. See you next time. Perfect end. <laughs>